Hello, everyone, and happy Friday, and welcome to this edition of Langer at the Mic Live. We're joined by Sheldon Weisberg, a.k.a. Stanley Tucci over here, our resident Montreal Canadiens fan. Um, and as you know, it's been now just under 48 hours where the Montreal Canadiens unfortunately came up short in the Stanley Cup final, losing in Game 5. As you could tell, our playoff beards are a little bit shorter now. Um, I haven't, I was, I'm wanting to go for a haircut this afternoon, but, uh, but yeah, honestly, I don't know about you, Sheldon, but I have turned the page into off season mode. But before that, how are you today, sir? Um, I I'm feeling better than I did yesterday. Um, those first 24 hours after Tampa winning was just kind of numb, but also sad as well. Um, and, and a ton of reflection time on the Canadians made the Stanley Cup final. What a ride. You know, yeah. even even in a loss, it, it's still huge. Yeah, and um, just honestly, me too. Like, I, um, I, I've i pretty much, like, it was sad. Like, I was on the verge of tears as well as so many, like, just like so many other Habs fans on the night of of game five, right? And, and it was honestly, though, you think of the Tampa Bay Lightning, they have... Like all the star power that they have at forward between Kucherov, Braden Point. Kucherov had some whatever dumb comments in the post game, but I'm not going to give people attention that I don't want to give attention to. Um, but uh, yeah, like like look between Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Sorelli, all the top top end talent that they have on offense, and of course their great defense. It was a guy named Ross Colton who scored the series deciding goal in the second period off one little mistake between Corey Perry and Joel Edmondson. And that was basically it for game five. So it just shows like, look, in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you need not just high-end star power, but you need depth. You need role players to, to, to do their jobs and to, and to come up big when the moments matter. And the Canadians, they did exactly that through three and maybe a half playoff rounds. Cause Josh, cause Josh Anderson scored the OT winner in game four, but uh, ultimately they came up short and, um, and that's also when you have a great team like the Tampa Bay lightning and you put so much focus into shutting down their top guys, Kucherov had, or sorry, Braden point only had three assists in game one and then nothing since then Kucherov had a good game one good and a good game three, but nothing besides that. So, um, yeah. And like you said, just, um, I'm just. I, I was just thankful. Like I was just trying not to be too sad and disappointed kind of, I will say early mornings, Early clients and late night playoff hockey is not a good match in the long term, but um, but yeah, like it was just. I'm just so happy to have been able to um, you know appreciate this playoff run and experience this playoff run for the first time in my life. The Canadians go to the Stanley Cup final. Also, they didn't get swept, which means they that that they actually won a game in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1993, um, and I think that's a big enough deal. Cause it's like they existed in the Stanley cup final. So, uh, but then again, you know, it wasn't very long. I'd say it was already as of yesterday afternoon, I went on cat friendly and started going into off season mode, thinking about who the Habs will protect and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, Shelter, are you quite, are you like in off season mode yet? Or are you still kind of digesting it a bit? It, I think I entered off season mode fully yesterday, running through some potential, um, scenarios where the Canadians can make some trades uh, with some other teams during the off season um, and not so much free agency though. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say 
free agency is is actually going to be really exciting. There are a lot of big names out there, which we'll get to that in a little bit. But just before we, I guess, fully turn the page here on our podcast of uh, onto the off season mode, I want to go back and um, and do kind of two little do this in two parts here. First of all, the Habs they scored a lot of overtime goals, a lot of overtime winning goals in this magical playoff run, six to be exact, just four shy of the 10 that they scored in 1993. So I want to do a little exercise with you, Sheldon. I want you to rank all six of the overtime winning goals. And in case you need a little refresher, I'll try to go in chronological order here. Nick Suzuki, game five against Toronto. KK, game six against Toronto. Tyler Toffoli, game four against Winnipeg. Josh Anderson, game three versus Vegas. Arturi Lekkinen, game six versus Vegas. And Josh Anderson, game four versus Tampa. Rank those overtime goals. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm tempted to put Lekkinen's first because that was the shot that sent him to the Stanley Cup final. But... Uh, that wasn't in the Stanley Cup final. So Anderson's in game three, uh, pardon, game four, I meant to say game four against Tampa. That's got to be the first because that's a Stanley Cup final win. Um, we got to see Canadians win a, a Stanley Cup final game on home ice. That's huge. Then after that, Lekkonen's goal. Um, third would be... Uh, Anderson's game three goal against Vegas because uh, of what transpired earlier uh, with that brutal, brutal giveaway um, and, and Anderson capitalizing on it. And then um, Katkinyemis because that sent the Habs to game seven against the Leafs. And uh, I was rooting for Katkinyemi the whole time. Um, and and it, it did get deflected a little bit because that was it was that kind of game where it, all it takes is a deflection or some scrambling in front for a puck to go in. The commentators said that, but what, what a monkey off Kotkaniemi's back at home. Uh, Suzuki's game five one is a little low just because it it happened so quickly in overtime, and then Toffoli's is my lowest ranked one solely because. That was the overtime I was the most sure the Canadians would win. Um, and considering how they dominated game four against the Jets, they only allowed 16, 17 shots there. And I thought, well, the Canadians aren't letting up. And this is overtime already. We get the trope. Canadians are going to dominate overtime. Just just put it away now. And, so uh, and Toffoli got it. So good. Yeah, sorry. So you have to fully six, right? Then after that, you said Kakanyemi five. Uh, no, Suzuki right Suzuki above. Suzuki five. Yeah, sorry, Kakanyemi four. Anderson versus Vegas three. Yeah, and then Lekin in two. Okay, Anderson one. All right. So here's what I got. Uh, and obviously, welcome in Center Heist in the comment section. Anyone else tuning in live, either right now, live, or after the fact, and be sure to leave a comment in the comment section as to what your top six favorite or your six overtime winning goals by the Montreal Canadiens. How would you rank them? Leave that in the comment section, either live. Uh, Paul, we'll get to that in a little bit there. Center heist the moments of the Sonica final Paul Byron uh, in Toronto from his knees. But, uh, but yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit right now. Let's start by ranking the overtime winning goals. And that's what I have here with, I would say Lekkonen has to be number one. All right. You know, let's start from the bottom. Number six, Suzuki. Like you said, that was awesome. But it was really fast, and it was like, oh, it's a 2-1-0. Oh. 
they have to score here, you know? So, yeah, so I'd say Suzuki at six. Number five, I would say, um, I have my notes here from Twitter that I tweeted this out yesterday. Give me a follow at Mike Langer. Um, I think I'm going to go with Toffoli at number five because um, that won them a playoff series. That got them to the conference finals for the first time since 2014. But like you said, Sheldon, like it was kind of expected that they were going to score in that overtime. And it was rather quick, but that's still a series-clinching goal, right? So I'd say the, um, the Toffoli goal at five. I would say the Anderson goal versus... Vegas at four. Yeah, Anderson goal versus Vegas because that was a situation where it's like, like there's 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 no way that they should have won that game and the way like they turned that they, they turned that overtime and awful first two periods around to come back tie it up twice with the gaff by Flurry and then win it in overtime. Right, that has to be number four. Number three, I would say. Anderson's goal in the Stanley Cup final. I'm not putting as much value onto that. It was a great moment, but it just meant, okay, we're just not getting swept today, right? Number two, I would say is Barry Kakanyemi's goal in game six versus the Toronto Maple Leafs because as soon as Kakanyemi scored that goal, the, there was like the, the Habs are going to win that series pretty much. And all of our Leaf fan friends here in Toronto were just pooping their pants for the next 48 hours, and it was lovely. So I would definitely say the, um, yeah, the Kakanyemi goal there. And also keep in mind, that was like, what, 15 shots on net? What were the shots? Like 13 to 2 in that period? The yeah, 15th, 13 15. The 15th shot at 15-15 of overtime and all the crazy, you know, voodoo numbers, number voodoo there as well. So I would say Kakanyemi's goal because it's like, again, it was just such a surprise. It's like, holy crap, the Habs scored and holy crap, the Habs won and holy crap, the Habs are going to force the game seven where the Leafs suck and the Leafs suck. So yeah. Um, and then number one, obviously Lekkonen's goal because that put the Habs in the Salica final for the first time since 1993. But so that's overtime ranked goals. Um, and again, keep them firing away in the comment section. And now uh, Center Heist, we have your comment here as... Paul Byron's goal against Toronto from his knees. But what are your other three now, let's say non-overtime moments, your top three favorite non-overtime moments of this playoff run? What would you say? Ooh, okay. Um, definitely Anderson's tying and, goal. And wait, sorry, just, just to be clear, it, it could mm -hmm. it could be a tying goal, it could be a save, it could be a blocked shot, it could be it could be something off the ice, it could be anything. Okay. Um, definitely, uh, Anderson's tying goal in game three against Vegas. That was, uh, that was an opportunity that you have to cash on if it happens, uh, for your team. And that kind of, that set, a, that planted a seed in the minds of the Vegas Golden Knights that, uh, okay, we're, we're dealing with a much tougher opponent here that will make you pay. Uh, it, it's an opportunistic opponent. Um, to a greater degree than expected, especially how they played so hard. Um, third moment, it's a series of moments. Whenever Carey Price made a huge save, uh, basically, he made a ton where he just slides across and gets it with the blocker. Actually, no, I take that back. Um, and, and these are in no particular order. His first period save in Game 6 on Felino. That that is something a lot of people don't really seem to recall a lot because there were many more talk about moments. But 
if Felino does get that goal in the first period, then the Canadians face an uphill battle in um, one more challenge in an uphill battle in game six, which they should not have. And that was a huge technical save by Price where he had some trouble coming across earlier in the season. Nope, he's dialed in now. But the top moment has to be that unreal but technical save that Price made on Alex Tuck in game three where it did, Price did, wasn't even sure that he made the save, I think. And, and he had that same reaction in game two when he came across. Um, I forget who he stopped on that play. I think it was Carrier where the puck went off his pants and went up behind him. And, and he's looking around like, uh, did, did I stop it? Oh, okay. I stopped it. Fine. Um, but to do it in front of the crowd at the Bell Center is something else entirely. Yeah, so I kind of agree with... Uh, so I'm going to go really a little bit out of left field here, Sheldon, compared to your three, all right? And it's only three, so I'm making this really tough on ourselves here. Um, I'm going to agree with uh, Center Heiss's, um one of his over there. I like one of the Caulfield goal on Robin Leonard. That's one, for sure. I know my three moments, but I'm going to see how I want to rank them. So that's one of them, for sure. The Caulfield goal on Robin Lehner in Game 6. That's for sure up there. Um, I also would say, uh, yeah, just because that just showed how good Cole Caulfield can be, especially when he has confidence and just like the way he just completely made a fool out of Braden McNabb and just completely roofed it on Flurry, and just because Cole Caulfield is awesome. So, yeah, and he's all of our son. So, yeah, um, so at least it feels like that. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's definitely one. Number two, Brennan Gallagher's goal in game seven against the Leafs. Because, at, again, if Kakanyemi's goal didn't already mean the Habs were going to win Game 7 or win that series, that Gallagher goal, 5-4 on Jack Campbell, terrible goal on Jack, on Jack Campbell, but a nice finish by Brennan Gallagher. So, um, yeah, that's one of them as well. And this one, this is off the ice, but let's see if I could get this all right here. Niagara Falls, Phillips Square, and the CN Tower all lit up in bleu, blanc, and rouge to cheer on Canada's team. That's right, Leaf fans, to cheer on Canada's team in their Stanley Cup final or their Stanley Cup playoff run this spring. So I would say in terms of how I would rank them, number three is the Gallagher goal. Number two is probably the CN Tower, Niagara Falls, Phillips Square, and all that stuff. And obviously our um, Doug Ford in a Habs jersey. And number one is the Cole Caulfield goal on on uh, Robin Lehner for sure. That's how I'd go for those three. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, and also, um, by the way, just RIP to Brent Gallagher's insurance claims because his uh, apartment got broken into. If you're tuning in by some chance and you're the one who broke into Brent Gallagher's apartment, shame on you. And I hope your apartment gets broken into and that you live on the street. So, yeah, and get uh, just, you know, put behind bars. And, um, yeah, just I don't wish death on you, but I just wish. Yeah, that's all. Like, just don't do that. Why? Yeah, like, like why? Like, who? What kind of low life? Like, what? Like, why? Why would you do that? Like, why of all people would you? Like, why can't you break into, I don't know, like, Francois Legault's apartment for not letting 10,500 people into the Bell Center? Like, why can't you break it? I mean, there's probably more security in front of Frost Legault's yeah. house than there is in front of Gallagher's apartment, but still, like, 
Why? Why? Or break into like Eric Gustafson. Okay, no, seriously. Don't break into anyone's apartment. I'm not advocating for anyone to break into anyone's apartments or condos or homes or anything. But yeah, just shame on the person who did that. But Sheldon, I do have a question for you though. So not only did Brandon Gallagher's apartment get broken into when he got home, it was a very rough 24 to 48 hours for Brandon Gallagher. So um, hopefully he will be able to go home to Edmonton to his family and, uh, and Alberta and just train his butt off and get all into um, what's it called? Um, yeah. Just his off season program. Um, and uh, yeah, like now today was media day for the Montreal Canadians. They had everyone speak. I think it was price Weber, Suzuki, Petrie, Bergevin, Deneau, Armia, Stahl, everyone. It was media day for, uh, for, the, for the off-season or postseason media day. Um, so what statements? Actually, before we get into that, let's uh, just pull out a comment here. Uh, sorry, Center Heist, just uh, want to pull out your comment here on uh, the Galley goal. Should go on the Leafs as the all-time worst goal? I would say they're, no, no, I would say the Toskala goal. And yeah, that's probably the all-time worst goal in the Toronto Maple Leafs for sure. The Toskala goal, right? I think we could both agree on that. Yeah. Even I, though the stakes I'll, were higher with the Gallagher goal, but still. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this. Um, it, I had a discussion with a friend of mine a, a few years back, and and I brought it up, and he said that um, his grandmother could have stopped that puck, and his uh, I think it was his three-year-old son could have stopped that puck, and I pipe up, Carey Price would have stopped that. He oh, yeah. got mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, just always fun. Like, here's the thing, though. I just, I've, 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 I've gotten over dealing with Leaf fans because until they win a playoff series, they got nothing to chirp the Canadians about. Even if the Canadians don't make the playoffs, like they still have nothing to chirp the Montreal Canadiens about. So it's just like, just tell them it was three one, and that's it. Like, let them cry and drown in their tears, and that's it. Like, who cares? There's no point in looking for trouble with Leaf fans. Another comment here from uh, from Center Heiss, uh, Ripoff or uh, Kucherov's apartment or Gary Bettman's. Um, yeah, but again, oh I'm not advocating for you to rob from anyone's apartment. But anyway, yeah. uh, and also Sarah Anderson chiming in. Welcome, Sarah, to the comment section. Tosco's goal was awful indeed. Sarah being a really nice uh, Leaf fan here, of mm-hmm. course. But uh, but yeah, sorry, just wanted to uh, digress and uh, we digress and now move on to Habs Media Day. So, Sheldon, which quotes and statements stood out to you the most from Media Day today? I originally thought it would be, I figured Nick Suzuki would say something like this, that he wants to come back bigger, stronger, you know, he's a second year uh, guy. Um, but then I, I read through the link that you sent me for Twitter and... This one was the the one that stood out the most. Josh Anderson saying that um, it was devastating to see Weber's and Price's faces in the locker room right after game five. You look up at these guys. They are the leaders. Um, they put in their all. They inspired everyone else. Their reputations are momentous or monumental in this league and for this team. Everybody knows it's Weber the captain and and Carey Price are are goalies been here longer than anyone else. And it hits you when your greatest leaders are down like that and you want to do everything in your power to support them. 
um, basically to win the Stanley Cup at that point, but you, you just can't in that moment um, other than to just be there uh, for them like uh, they were there for them. Um, I, I saw um, right after the final horn sounded when everybody got off the ice, when the Canadians got off the ice, Price, you could be really down in the dumps easily, and he definitely was, but he didn't show it so much. He was just patting guys on the shoulder, reassuring them, look, um, you know, we, we put in the effort, you you did a good job, and, and just, you want to win everything for your uh, your team leaders. Um, this, this is motivation going forward. They don't ever want to see Weber and Price look like that again. Yeah, I, I love seeing Carey Price, like, just, you know, pat everyone on the back, like, behind the bench when he was uh, pulled in the last minute there, and I think it was, like, at the buzzer, right? Like, that was just really, even as much pain as he was feeling. And also, Brendan Gallagher, going back to Brendan Gallagher, how he answered all those questions after the game, even though, like, he was just fighting back tears and just completely choked up and, like, just could, like, he just still, he, like, the, the the PR guy, it's not um, Paul Wilson, I forget who it was, who does it in the Stanley Cup final, but he was just, like, kind of going on to the next question, and Brandon Gallagher is like, no, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my best I can to answer, and that was just Brandon Gallagher in a nutshell, but then going back to Carey Price and Shea Weber, when they were on the podium together, Price was just like, he was asked, like, what was the difference in the series or what, like, went wrong? And Price is like, I just wasn't good enough in games one and two, and that's the difference right there. And Shea Weber was like, I disagree. Uh, we just, as a team, weren't good enough. So, yeah, just awesome leadership yeah, between too. Shea Weber and Carey Price. But here's what stood out to me the most. Going back to uh, media day, though, um, that's not really like that's kind of expected like those quotes from Josh Anderson we already saw that we didn't need Josh Anderson to say that to, to say those things about Price and Weber to to feel bad for Shea Weber and and understand what it meant for him and Carey Price here are the three things that stood out to me number one Jeff Petrie I'll put it over here number one Jeff Petrie number two Philip Deneau and number three Corey Perry so number one Jeff Petrie spoke about how he what spoke about his experience in dealing with his finger injury and his eye injury or not really injury, but I, you know, red eye situation there. So what happened is that Jeff Petrie, obviously we all know, got his finger stuck in the stupid gap of the, the, the photographer's gap in the glass there, which wasn't covered because a stupid photographer didn't freaking cover it up. Frig. And I was actually, when I went to the game at game three there, I looked like I was just, I happened to just, have to look every so often in the corner there to make sure that the photographer's gap there was shut and it was, but the stupid, whatever photographer that was there at the time where Petrie injured, injured his, his fingers. Um, yeah, someone screwed up and someone should get fired for that. But anyway, um, so Jeff Petrie ended up thinking, he talked about how he thought he dislocated his finger, but actually ended up breaking it and talked about how he would require surgery that would keep him out for six to eight weeks. But then he spoke about how, and I'm obviously paraphrasing all this, but then he spoke about how he um, obviously didn't want the surgery and how he wanted to come back to for the to, for for the playoff run, of course. And I think they said I, I forgot what the doctors and um, and uh, medical staff said, but it's like okay, well then we can maybe splint it for about six to eight weeks and let it heal like that or like or maybe two to three weeks and they said no that's going to be a Stanley Cup final I needed right now like the team needs me right here right now in this Vegas series so it's like all right well we got to put your fingers back into place and 
he talked about how he passed out from the pain of that. And that's where he just shot, like broke all those blood vessels in his eyes, which made him, you know, get the red eye appearance that he had in that Vegas series. So um, that is what really stood out to me and just encapsulates, if that's the word, yeah, ca- encapsulates, right? That's the word, yeah. The yep. What it takes to play through pain in the playoffs. Now, I feel like as times go forward, and we can have a whole other discussion about this, which I'll leave for another show, um, but playing through pain in the playoffs, like to what extent should, you, what type of, what extent of pain should you be able to play through but then again, my opinion on that is, look, if the players want to play and if it's just their fingers, if it's their concussion, their long-term health, you can say that that's a different situation. But if it's like a finger where even if you're going to pass out from the pain, it's under your own consent to do that to get back in the game, well, then so be it. But anyway, like I said, that'll be a discussion for another time. But so there's that. And then there's Philip Deneau on his contract situation and pizza sponsorships. He also talked a little bit about that. And... Again, paraphrasing here, so I might not be saying it completely accurate, but I'm going to do the best I can. So in terms of his contract situation, I want to talk about this a little bit later on the show, Sheldon. Um, He seemed to talk about, like, he was just so dialed into the playoffs that he didn't even think about the contract situation. But then he mentioned something along the lines that he was waiting to see if Suzuki and Kakanyami would get the top two minutes or not, because we all remember his famous quote at the end of last season, the end of the 2019-2020 season. So I'm wondering how, like, um, yeah, so so just he said just, he it was an interesting statement on, he made it sound like he still wants to be in a top six role and not a third line role. And then last but not least, there is the Corey Perry wanting the full Montreal experience next year. And that is something that is really what I am, like what really stands out to me is like a guy, remember Corey Perry, Eric Stahl got to be Montreal Canadiens this year. Guys that we grew up watching tear it up in Anaheim and tear it up in Carolina and then a little bit in um, in Minnesota for the last couple of years. But yeah, not so much Buffalo and New York, but anyway, for Eric Stahl. But yeah, just, just they got to be Montreal Canadiens And you see Tyler Toffoli wanting to play with a Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson wanting to wear the CH. Okay, he had to sign a long-term contract, the no movement clause and all that. But Corey Perry took Mark Bergevin's offer for veteran minimum. And now he is publicly saying that he wants to come back in Montreal and wants the full Montreal experience next year. That just makes me just appreciate Corey Perry that much more and I look forward to him coming back with the Montreal Canadiens next year. Yeah, same. Um, when I entered, yeah, sorry, I was monologuing a lot there. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, well, good. I mean, that's what uh, a lot of us do—monologues and dialogues. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I thought of when I entered the off-season mindset was get Corey Perry signed. They just get out of the way. We know he wants to be here. He proved it. He's been. Uh, that great depth veteran presence and very shifty as well, which is something that a lot of um, Habs forwards didn't really have in, in the past little while. Um, get it done right now before you can think about trades or some free agent signings or even the Philip Deneau, uh contract situation. And they are going to start talking about it in a few days. Get Corey signed already. 
I mean, the, the Leafs, they signed Wayne Simmons for some reason so quickly. And I mean, they re-signed Jason Spezza, of course. That was good on them. But they re-signed Wayne Simmons for some reason. So yeah, the Habs have to get Corey Perry under contract for, I'd say, at least another two years. Oh, and yeah. They could probably get a decent bargain for him. Maybe not like vet minimum per se, but maybe in the $2 million range. Even like, like <laughs> I tweeted this before, like about a month ago. If they sign him to a max contract, <laughs> I wouldn't be completely opposed to that. I honestly, for what Corey Perry brings and just like between the leadership, but just like that raw passion of playing the game and all his like weird superstitions and quirks and that he just plays the game the right way. He mixes skill, size. Okay, he's not a good skater, but he doesn't care. He's just such a... He's just a smart enough hockey player to overcome that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like that's just... I, I would say Corey Perry, just get him under contract ASAP. And that actually brings me to a bit of a segue to my next question for you, Sheldon, moving on to the offseason now. Um, let's just start with this a little bit more broad before we get more into the expansion draft. But what is your biggest question for the Montreal Canadiens this offseason? If you could think of just one question that you want to see solved this offseason. It's actually more offense. Um, we, we didn't see it so much throughout this regular season or the majority of this shortened regular season. And it did hurt the Canadians, you know, with, with them falling down the standings and then limping into the playoffs. Caulfield gave a, a bit of a boost to everyone. Good. But to rely on a rookie who's not a Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews type, uh, can't only rely on that. So this upcoming regular season will, will hopefully get back to its full 82 regular season games. You need somebody who can contribute more on offense uh, and who's going to stick around for a while because it, I'll say it outright here. The writing's on the wall for Tatar. He's gone. Oh, yeah. Tatar's gone for sure. Yep. And uh, Drew, look, just make sure he's fine. And if it takes longer than uh, the start, than um, this offseason for him to come back and get in that right mindset or have that situation cleared up, like, fine, do it. So basically, be there for Drew and the teammate. But if he doesn't play, which, I unfortunately suspect, fine, we, we lost that as well. So we have to, so the Canadians should go after someone else and, and still make sure Drew and, and whoever's affected by that situation is okay. Yeah, so obviously, look, first of all, we just, we have to continue giving our best wishes to Jonathan Drew as a person um, and just respect his privacy and confidentiality of his personal leave of absence. Even when the Habs went all the way to the Stanley Cup final, Drew still was in the, you know, just not a part of it. Uh, maybe he was more than we think, but at least not publicly known to be a part of it. So, yeah, so honestly, just all I can hope for with Jonathan Drun and really anyone in the Montreal Canadiens, even guys like Tatar, Armia. I mean, Armia might come back, but um, that's another story. In fact, ooh, I just uh, forgot about him in terms of getting my protection list. But anyway, um, what's it called? Um, yeah, I, but here's my biggest question. I'm going to get even a little bit more specific is what the heck are the Habs going to do at center in a good way? This has been a question for almost every offseason for the last seemingly 20 years, right? What are the Canadians going to do at center? But in this time, it's a little bit more of an exciting conversation and a little bit more of an interesting conversation more than it ever really has been. Because 
to me, it's like you saw what Philip Deneau can do for you against top, you know, opposing Matthews, Marners, Connors, Wheelers, um, Shy, uh, what's it called? Uh, maybe not occasion, okay, not Shifley for one game, but uh, Stone and Patcheretti, right? And even Point and Kucherov to some extent, right? So to me, it's like, do you want, but, and then also you have Jake Evans and Ryan Paling. So in terms of before the end of the league year, under contract at center, but for the expansion draft, of course, as well, you're going to have Nick Suzuki, Isperi Kakanyemi, Philip Deneau, Jake Evans, Ryan Paling, Eric Stahl as your centers under contract before the expansion draft. So I think Eric Stahl is pretty much not going to come back. I think Unless he wants to take a veteran, like minimum fifth center type of role, which I don't know if he will, but maybe, who knows? Um, but more importantly, though, do they want to keep Deneau and Kakanyemi and Paling and Suzuki? Because here's the thing. If they sign Deneau, I'll be completely honest. I don't trust them with Kakanyemi's development. I don't. I don't yeah. trust them with Kakanyemi's development. And yeah. I think Kakanyemi should become more than a third-line center, deserves and should get the opportunity to become more than a third-line center but I don't know if that's going to happen here in Montreal if Philip Deneau gets re-signed. And also, I don't think that if Philip Deneau, if they let him walk, will will they be okay with going with Kakanyemi, Suzuki, Evans, and and Paling as their four centermen? And that's where maybe do you bring back Eric Stahl as a fifth guy? So to me, again, in this in this center ice position, and and to me, like, look, with Kakanyemi, they still, here's the thing, with with Philip Deneau, it's either he's in or he's out. Whereas Kakanyemi, since he's an RFA, you could protect him, sign him, but then trade him, you know? Whereas Deneau, since he's a UFA, I mean, it's very rare that we see signs and trades in the NHL, but with Deneau, it's like you either keep him or you let him, it's like you keep him and commit to him long-term or you let him go for nothing, like in the expansion draft or, or yeah, pretty much probably in the expansion draft. Cause I don't think if, if they don't protect Philip to know, then like Vegas, uh, sorry, not Vegas, Seattle's all but going to claim him or someone's going to give him a long-term contract because they saw what he did in the Stanley Cup final. So, and, and, but if they do, but here's the thing, if they protect to know, they have to resign him. So it's like, that, that's the thing. It's like this entire, like mine, you know, what are they going to do with who and where and what that center is just, you know, the very is very interesting to me and very intriguing what they will do this off season center heist believes that they should not take the chance losing any of the youngsters. And I tend to agree with that, but here's the thing. Like it's a bit of a risk associated with that because what if cut, what if you let to know walk? what if you don't pay to know you give cut Kenyemi his RFA two or three year bridge deal Maybe even bring back Eric Stahls, like a fifth-line center slash whatever. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised if Ducharme finds a way to play Stahl over Kakanyemi at some point. But whatever. Um, that's a different discussion. Dominique Ducharme, don't get me wrong. Great work leading the Habs to sound like a final playoff run. But let's also... We also can't completely forget the regular season that they had. So anyway, um, all this to say is that um, if, if they do keep Kakanyemi and Suzuki, and Paling, and Stahl, potentially, and Evans, of course, and let Deneau walk, well, that's a risk. That's a big risk because you lose that uh, that 
ability for Philip Deneau to shut down the opposing team's top players, but maybe Kakanyemi could become a really good second-line center. So that's the interesting part of it. And where are they going to go from there? I don't know. Sheldon, you tell me, honestly. Um, what, what through your thought process from earlier in the season, right, is the news that came out today that Bouchard is no longer with the Canadian yeah. oh, team. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, he, yeah. he's uh, so, going to coach the AHL, I think the uh, affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks. Yes. The San Diego Gulls or something. Yeah. Exactly that. That's so, a big loss. Yeah. Um, and tell me if I'm paraphrasing this right. You said that uh, just keep Bouchard uh, and one of the best functions of keeping Bouchard would be Kotkaniemi is going to improve a lot more under Bouchard than you believe that he would under Ducharme. Um, I, I, for the first time, I'm less, I'm concerned about Kotkaniemi's development. Uh, he does have that swagger, but I don't think he's just able to put it together right now. But why would they scratch him from the lineup in, in yeah. a, with their season on the line? I understand they want to get Evans, that Evans, Lekin, and Byron line, but that is just, look, it, he's going to go into his fourth year now. You can say that they ruined his development maybe by rushing him in at 18 years old and not letting him play an extra year or two overseas. But at the same time, it's like, okay, now do you go... Like, to me, it's 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 it, they have to choose two out of three between Deneau, Kakanyemi, and Paling. They got to take two out of three of those guys and commit to that. Oh, boy. Um, I don't envy... Bergevin's position here or any general manager's position here. Um, we've seen what Deneau can do in the playoffs and also during the regular season at, at plenty of times. If possible, try to get him on a, a shorter term deal, I, I guess. I don't think that's happening, honestly. It's he's, he's in his prime in his late twenties. Like this is his time to cash in. There's no way he's gonna like his agent yeah. and Philip Deneau, Like they're they're not gonna screw around with this opportunity right now. That's why he played. That's why yeah. he didn't take Bergevin's offer of six years, thirty million or something, whatever it was. So now is his time to cash in, and he's gonna do everything he can right. to do so. And yet, it, like I said in the um, uh, the Vegas series wrap up, that I would. Or, no, it, it was the preview for the Stanley Cup final. Either way, last time I was on, I did mention that if Carey Price would not be named playoff MVP if the Canadians won the Cup, I'd give it to Philip Deneau because of his superb defensive work that Carboneau, Jarvis, and Ganey would be very, very proud of. Um, if the Canadians go with uh, next season a core along center of Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, Paling, and Evans, maybe Stahl, um, they lose that defensive prowess, and you need those kinds of foot soldiers. I don't see the Canadians doing well enough in the playoffs uh, without Deneau's play, which is why I advocated that. Try to get them on a shorter-term deal. Sheldon, it's not happening. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. It's, there's no... Like, he's going to max out, whether it's, like, for seven yeah. years, $5.5 million per season, or, like, maybe four years at, like, $7 million per season. Like, I would be very, very surprised if it's not going to be any if it's going to be like a short-term five million per season or like now is Deneau's time to cash in he's not it's not like the NFL where he could franchise tag him because he would be a, yeah. be a perfect candidate for that but um yeah like it's just he's he's gonna try to cash in right now so cool. it's honestly okay. Sheldon I'll just ask you straight up is it Deneau do, do you keep Deneau 
or like who do you take of those three guys I mentioned? Paling, Dino, Kakanyemi. Who are the two out of those three guys that you're keeping? Under pressure, I'll take uh, Dino leaving and have Suzuki become Canadian's version of Patrice Bergeron because who else is going to be the best defensive center? So you're taking uh, Dino leaving? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I, I, too much. Uh, has too much evidence has been presented um, from you that he's gonna he'll he will want to cash and and I understand why right he he prides himself it, it, I don't think it's a I'm so much bigger than the team so much as he knows how good he is and how valuable he is to a team and the Canadians just are not quite in that position to keep him if it was a couple of years ago then maybe but. Big changes are coming. For better, for worse, for sure. Um, and uh, here, but here's the another point from uh, center heist though. Evans. What about Jake Evans's ability to play a defensive game? Oh, he can definitely do it. My biggest concern though is he's had multiple concussions, and and that could affect how well he's going to play. And and you can't mess around with concussions. Although um, Evans did come back pretty strong, not so oh, yeah. much in game one, but games. Four and five, Evans was pretty effective. Oh yeah, and, and he's he was great at that. Um, it's still the long term. It's the concussion issue, and and that's why I also said Suzuki has got to. Well, he's going to shoulder a lot of that uh, defensive responsibility as well. He can do it. Um, he's shown great promise already in his two years. Um, but. Uh, He's going to play the role of Patrice Bergeron if, if there's any player comparison. Uh, if it can be shared among all the centers, good. But he's he's the number one center. Um, so there you go. But but here's the problem, though, with, with Suzuki. Um, the regular season, as much as we like to make fun of Leaf fans and say the regular season doesn't matter, playoffs matter, blah, blah, blah. But I hate to say it, but the regular season is going to kind of matter next year when you're going to be back in the same division as Tampa, Boston, Ottawa, who's better, Toronto, right? Who am I missing? Montreal, uh, Buffalo. Florida, uh, Buffalo, I think. Buffalo, Detroit. Yeah, Florida, exactly. Ottawa's so, going up. Ottawa's going to be better. So you're going to have to be – you could very well just be playing to get in with a wild card spot, right? And then you have to deal with the teams like the Islanders and maybe the Flyers will be better. Maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins will be better. Right, Capitals, Carolina, right? All, Columbus. I mean, I don't know if Columbus will be as good. Never mind. But still, it's it's gonna be the regular season is gonna matter. You're not gonna be able to back your way into the playoffs like you did this year. And that's where the argument of the North Division being kind of weak is kind of valid. But then again, the North Division to me is more middle heavy because compared to other divisions, because you don't have like a a Detroit or a or like a Columbus, which I mentioned before is a good team, but I don't think so. But uh, yeah, like a, a like um, a Detroit or a Buffalo or a San Jose, LA or Arizona. Like you don't have bottom feeding teams like that to make the division, the competition, the division easier. So um, yeah, like that's where the regular season is going to matter. And going back to Nick Suzuki, um, he's still going to be 22 years old and I like maybe when he's 25, 26 years old, he'll be able to be like that Bergeron type player. But at, next year, I don't know if he's going to be quite there yet. So that is why I I would honestly, I hate to say it, um, 
this is like I love Kotkaniemi. I love the way he's played in the playoffs. But again, I don't trust this coaching staff, their ability, their ability to develop Kotkaniemi. I don't trust them. So that is honestly why. Not because I have anything against Kotkaniemi, but because I don't see them. Like I would, I would honestly see what what his trade value is and try to get something in return for him because I just don't trust this coaching staff to develop him. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And put Ryan Paling, let Ryan Paling in that third line role or Jake Evans in that third or fourth line role and keep Philip Deneau. Give him, again, don't give him like a max contract, but um, yeah, just I think that Philip Deneau, if you want to win now, like if you're going to be in win now mode and try to win as soon as like, like yeah, just try to repeat what you did this year. I think Philip Deneau is... I know I sound maybe stupid saying this, but I'm just saying again, with the way this coaching staff works, I would trust, I think Philip Deneau, like you said, to your point, Sheldon, is a little bit more irreplaceable in his just ability to completely take out the opposing team's top line. That is more important than Kotkaniemi long-term. And I know I might eat these words, but just, I, I wish it could be the other way around. I wish Kotkaniemi could have had a better, better regular season. I wish that... Ducharme and the coaching staff would have trusted him enough to get in a, in the playoffs, but that's more, I guess, a knock on Ducharme than Kakanyemi. But given that Bouchard is no longer in the system and that he's going to be on the West Coast, I, I just yeah, uh, the way I see it is um, is is it's they, they got to keep Dano and give Paling the opportunity and um, and yeah, you know, or 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 trade Ryan Paling, either Kakanyemi or like keep Dano yeah. and trade one of Paling or Kakanyemi. Like that's the way it's got to be. If Kotkaniemi is going to be traded, I can entertain a thought when we get into more off-season moves because uh, it's going to be a wild one. Um, I don't want so to get too much into trades right now, but okay. um, but yeah, just um, yeah. And here's the other thing, though: um, Suzuki in his face-offs, they need a lot of improvement. Comments from uh, Roger Delaney, of course. Like that's another thing. Kotkaniemi is really good at face-offs or uh, improved dramatically. At face-offs, I guess dramatic, maybe improved greatly at face-offs, not dramatically. But anyway, um, yeah, and that's that's a huge thing that Suzuki lacked in the regular season. I think he got a little bit better in the playoffs, and he could yeah, get better overall, next year, but it's not a guarantee. And also, Deneau, keep in mind, he was not as good in the regular season. He was much better at face-offs in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, so I would say, um, and who knows what Ryan Paling will be in the face-off circle. And he's also dealing with a wrist injury, so... Yeah, so honestly, like that's just I, I want to move on to our expansion draft discussion because I do want to wind this down soon. So um, yeah, but that's that's basically my biggest, my most intriguing question for the Habs this offseason is what they will do at center. But Sheldon, it's time to sh- submit your protection list. All right. Oh, okay. Your seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender. Who do you protect? For the expansion draft on the Montreal Canadiens. Okay, seven forwards. And also, sorry, one more thing. Also, you have to keep in yep. mind. So, Drouin has a no movement clause. Anderson has a no movement clause. Uh, Gallagher has a no movement clause. Price has a no movement clause. And Petrie has a no movement clause, which means that they get automatically protected unless they, um, unless the Habs Bergevin decides to talk with them and say, um, could you please waive your no no movement clause? And those players could very well say, yeah, sure, we'll do that for you. Or they could say, screw you, I want to stay a Montreal Canadian. Right? Okay. Um, and um, and actually one more thing. Oh, and Suzuki as a set as a third-year player will not have to get protected. 
Okay, so he's starting a, as a third year. Okay, um, protect to Foley, right? He he has to be. Uh, he's Foley, on the list yeah. of players. Yeah. Uh, darn, you caught me on uh, a little surprise. Definitely to Foley. Uh, Caulfield's exempt already. Yeah, Caulfield's exempt. Right. Um, Romanov is exempt as well. Just right. so you know. Okay. Let's start with uh, the forwards here. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, I forget a bunch of them. Uh, you know what? I go with Armia as well. Okay. Because um, he, he's a bottom six guy. I definitely want back. Corey Perry, right? Yep. He he has to be protected. Um, darn. Who else? I already said Toffoli. And Gallagher's protected. Uh, Anderson. So here, so so far you have already by default Anderson, Gallagher. Okay. And you added Toffoli. You added Perry. Yeah, and I added Armia. Armia, so it's five, so you have two yeah. more to protect. Um, Evans? Okay. Because he's young. Um, okay, we need one more guy, yep. right? Uh, You're missing a big one, potentially. Uh, my brain's uh, stuttering. Uh, my brain's uh, trying to get through the mud on this one, not Armia. Uh, maybe Lekkonen? Dude, Dino or Kakanyemi? Oh, right. Okay. That's Kat what Kinyemi. it comes down to. Kat Kinyemi. You see what I mean? You see what yeah. I mean? Like, what the heck are the Habs going to do at center this offseason? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Kat Kinyemi, just purely from the youth, or maybe trade comes up later and you just don't want um, Seattle to get him right now. Um, so for defensemen, definitely keep Edmondson. For we'll, sure. we'll get to defense actually in oh, a little okay. bit because I just want to okay. kind of show. Okay. I'll, I'll explain mine. So okay, mine yeah. is the same as yours, except I'm not protecting Armia. Okay. I have Josh Anderson, Gallagher by default, but then Dino Kotkaniemi to potentially get him traded if that's what the way they want to go. Um, so yeah, Anderson, Gallagher, Kotkaniemi. Sorry, let's just, I'll read them on the list on my screen here in order. So Anderson, Kakanyemi, yeah. Evans, Dano, Gallagher, Toffoli, Perry. Those are my seven guys. Okay. It yeah. would have helped if I wrote this down beforehand. That's okay. That's why I have yeah. it in front of me. So just yeah. that's why I'm, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so basically I'm letting Armia walk. I'm letting Lekkonen walk, unfortunately, or, or exposed to uh, potentially getting claimed in the expansion draft. Armia is a UFA and Lekkonen is an RFA. So there's more, if they don't get claimed, then there's more of a chance that they, that Lekkonen could stay as a Canadian. But um, yeah, just, I would say if I have to choose seven, those are my seven that I'm going with. What about Byron? I forgot about him. Contract. Bad oh. contract. Let him. Okay. Uh, although, okay. wait, does he have a no movement clause? Also, if uh, they have a no, if he has a no movement clause, that's a fart and a half. Okay, uh, good. No, he doesn't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Byron okay. could get exposed. I, I love what he did for the Habs in his playoff run, but yeah, just it's a business. The good old, you know, cliche. It's a business. You, mm -hmm. Yeah. Byron has to walk. All right. We're getting uh, exposed. So defense. Yeah, fine. Defense. Definitely Edmondson. Got to keep him. Yeah. Um, and we're including others that have no that are uh, ineligible to be moved or have no movement clauses. So Weber's on there, Petrie's on there. Um, so sorry, yeah, Petrie and uh, and uh, it's actually just Petrie who has a no movement clause on defense. Okay, then then it's Weber that has a no trade. And actually, right? also, you know what? Sherratt also has a no trade clause. Okay. Actually, so, wait, wait a sec. It's uh, I think it, you can a no trade clause can be claimed, 
but a no movement clause cannot get claimed or has to be protected. Okay. So All that right. means just Petrie by default. Okay, so Petrie, definitely keep Edmonton. Um, I do want to protect Sherratt because those top four defensemen are so important. Um, the issues, though, with the defense core is you need a more stable guy on the bottom pairing. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm submitting it. It's Petrie, Edmondson, and Sherratt. So you're letting Weber get exposed? Oops. Okay, confusion. Yeah, it, it's Edmondson and Petrie and Weber. So you're letting Sherratt get exposed? Yeah, that that's a risk we got to take. That's that's what it's got to come down to, honestly, is Sherratt or Weber, who do you keep? I'll get to the comments in the comment section in a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, honestly, it's a matter of do you keep Weber or do you keep uh, or, or Sherratt, honestly, because I think Petrie, Edmondson, they're a pair. They played together all season, so you want to keep them together. Um, but honestly, to me, though, um, here's again, it's going to depend. Like if, if you I, I was thinking about this, so I'm kind of word vomit but anyway i was thinking about this the other day and i was thinking if the habs lose shea weber it would be from a business standpoint like a just pure numbers dollars standpoint it would be nice to not have a 7.8 million dollar cap hit on your on your salary cap for the next five years that would be really cool but who do you replace him with as a top right-handed defenseman, who's yeah. gonna, who's like after Jeff Petrie, who's gonna be your second pair right-handed defenseman? You know, yeah. So um, unless that's where if they want to make a move for Dougie Hamilton, but then you probably have to pay him nine mil over seven years or ten mil over seven years, and who knows where Dougie Hamilton wants to play? So um, we might maybe he'll stay in Carolina. Who knows? So that's where again, or maybe you trade for Seth Jones, maybe. That's where that, so that's all, but those are just too many uncertainties. So to me, it's almost like, to me, it's, it's more of a certainty to be able to protect Weber. And, and yeah, like me too, I was thinking, man, can the Habs afford to not only give up the, like, yeah, obviously if they could get out of the price contract or the Weber contract, they should, but price, I mean, just goaltending is easy. Like they have to protect price because he has a no movement clause. And I don't think you want to have that discussion of, hey, Carrie, do you want to not be a Montreal Canadian anymore and waive your no movement clause? Uh, price could say yes and could get exposed, maybe. But I think Seattle would claim him. And then you're talking about going with Jake Allen and Caden Primo next year, which maybe won't be the worst thing, but I don't think that would be the best thing if you're trying to win now. So yeah, um, I think it's more of an easy discussion to protect Alan. Again, we'll get to the comments in the comment section in a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, just going back to the defense though, I don't think the Habs could afford to have a, just having Weber and Petrie on that right side is just so important, so valuable. So the way I envision it is you want to give Romanov the opportunity to become a second pair left-handed defenseman with Shea Weber and figure out the third pair with, let's say, a free agent signing, a, a free agent signing right-handed defenseman. And there are a couple that will be worth signing potentially. And a whether it's a Kulak or a, I think Kulak's coming back. I think he has another year on his contract. Yeah. Whether it's a Kulak or even Norlander, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't bank on Norlander making this team until two seasons from now, though. That's maybe 
But but I mean yeah. he's under contract right now, and I don't know if he'll want to play for the Laval Rocket. Yeah. That's so that's an interesting or, point, you know. Or maybe I don't quote me on this, but I read something in uh on one forum with the Canadians or one site that that uh, covers them that Norlander is going to need one more season overseas before he comes over to North America. Ew. Maybe. Maybe. So yeah. so that's where it's like, or or you can sign a left-handed defenseman to add to the big four and replace Sherratt, like maybe an Alec Martinez type of guy, but yep. then you run into potential cap issues. So that's where it's like a whole interesting discussion. But all this to say on defense for me, uh, again, unless you have a plan to get another top pairing right-handed defenseman, like you should try to, you should like, that's the other thing. It's whether you can, it's who do you think you can replace better? Shea Weber. I'm not, I'm talking about the player now, not just the dollars and cents, right? Dollars and cents. Either you replace Weber or you replace Sherratt. If you're going to lose one of them, who are you, who can be more easily replaced? And to me, the answer is Sherratt and not Weber as a player, yeah. not just from a dollar cent standpoint. Yeah, so absolutely. anyway, um, yeah, so that's pretty much our protection list. And now let's get to the comments because I'm interested to see what the comments have to say here uh, real quick. Um, where Let's just go all the way up over here. Uh, um, what's it called? Yeah, so looking for uh, – I protect our four top D-men. Uh, yeah, but it's only three defensemen there. center ice I have to protect. So here on the forward center heist would protect – to Foley, Anderson, KK, Armia, Perry, Gallagher, and Evans. So that means no to no from center heist. Okay. Um, and uh, what's it called? Uh, just seeing what else uh, here. Expose. I keep all. I think the other option, if anything, it's like it's eight four or eight one. Is the other option you could protect eight forwards and one defenseman? I, think so. but I don't think I would do that because I would not expose more than I would not expose Edmondson, Weber, and Sherratt. Um, where am I? So, um, find a way to keep the big four, of course, uh, keep all four D men. If you can expose forwards more, uh, the word is in that Holtby is the goalie that they want, uh, than younger guys, I think for Seattle. And he's like, just basically has to go from Vancouver yeah. to Seattle. So it'd be easy, but there's still yeah. a second goalie that they, I think could claim from the expansion draft. So, um, yeah. All this to say is the bigger question to me is what the heck are they going to do at forward over defense? So, yeah. Uh, last yeah. question for you, Sheldon, as we wind down here, um, which, so this off season, again, we could get, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about trades and free agency, like exact plans and whatnot, but which non hab do you want to become a hab? So what's your fantasy pipe dream? Free agent, maybe, yeah, free agent or player that's on the trade market. Who do you want to become a hab? And then who do you think will become a hab? If Kotkin Yemi has to be traded this offseason, um, and I, I actually do not want him to be traded, uh, trade him uh, uh, with some other assets in this package deal for, get this, Pierre-Luc Dubois then sign him to a, a bigger contract. I know it's a fantasy. Okay. This is, this is my rationale. He didn't do so hot in Winnipeg, but he wants to play in Canada. So have him play in Montreal. I know it's a pipe dream, but what's it going to cost to get him? If it's just cock and yummy one for one, maybe it won't be. But cock and yummy. It won't be one for one. one. No, no, no. I, it, I, it could be, 
Uh, maybe one, maybe uh, Kotkaniemi, Mishak, and a second round pick. I, I do think that's enough for Dubois. Because, uh, well, when the trade happened, it, Patrick Laine went the other way, and he's hardly inconsistent and do, did very, very poorly. And we saw it coming uh, with Columbus. That That's why. Now, that's a fantasy of mine that, that's kind of grounded in reality, but also way, way out there. Um, what non-Habs player I would, I think I could see coming on, get this and, and, and please, wait, uh, wait, this, wait, okay, no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go okay. ahead. Um, is given Tampa's, pardon? Yeah. Who do you think will become a, like, who do you okay. actually think will become a Montreal Canadian? Okay. Given Tampa's cap situation, just that. That was a loophole, and and that's perfectly legal, but people are upset about it. Okay, they do need to address it this offseason. Either David Savard or Alex Kalorn. Yeah. It'll be a Tatar or Armia type of thing where we'll take on some of uh, the cap hit or annual average or whatever, Tampa. You know, this loophole will not apply for the regular season. Fair. Um, but you need to give up some assets in return because you're going to have cap issues and they'll work something out. And uh, Savard could play second, maybe third pairing, I guess. Kalorn is a, a decent middle six option. Um, you know, hard-nosed power forward, a little bit of skill. Y- you've experienced that skill firsthand back in the day. Yeah. Um, but that, that will not be the biggest. Uh, I do not think that is the greatest thing that Bergman could absolutely do, but that's well within the realm of reality. So, um, okay. So who do I want? Like pipe dream. And I'm going to bring up just center Heiss's comment right here and leave that right there. Big pipe Spotify dream. Ovechkin. If there is a way that Alex Ovechkin ever since he, before he even signed that massive nine year or 10 year, whatever contract that he signed with the caps in like 2008 or 2009, mm-hmm. back in that all-star game, I just remember how much fun he had at the all-star game in Montreal. And like, you know, between the, the hat and the Canadian flags and the two sticks and, you know, wooing at like some interesting, some really yeah. good looking ladies in the, uh, in the stands and, and, and those just, shades. Yeah, and 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 the shades, yeah, of course, with the hat and the Canada, Canadian flags. But also think this: we've had a Kovalev, we've had in Montreal. There's been a Kovalev, there's been a Radulov, and there's been a Kovalchuk. So you see where I'm going here. It might not yeah. be impossible. It might yeah. not be impossible. So if there, if Washington and OV just decide to part ways, because you see Vladimir Tarasenko wants out of St. Louis, apparently. Ooh, that's a rumor. Okay. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. And I don't know if I would pers- not to say I necessarily pursue it, but what if Ovechkin, he's at 35 years old. He's like, you know, I've been in this, in my situation in Washington. It's great and all that. Um, like what if he just decides maybe I want something a little bit more. Maybe I want to be on a team that actually knows how to win in the playoffs and get past the second round since, because Washington has never done that without Barry Trotz while Ovechkin has been there. Well, whereas the Habs got past the second round three times since 2010 against Alex Ovechkin one of those, on one of those occasions. So maybe, maybe Ovechkin's a guy that if, become, if he becomes available, and again, the Habs are going to have to make sure that they have the salary cap space to afford it, but imagine Suzuki, 
Caulfield, yeah. Ovechkin. Imagine. Uh, that, that is and have fun with that. Have fun with that. The second line might have to be yeah. like freaking Kakanyemi, Gallagher, and like Byron or something. But yeah, um, yeah like yeah, just that's, anyway. That's frightening. Okay, I, I changed what I said about Dubois because um, you mentioned Tarasenko. I do think with Ovechkin, he, he is going to stay a capital. But, uh, yeah, I, I see why you want him. Um, Tarasenko, I think, is more likely. Yeah, I see, you see 50. He might break the goal-scoring record. That's kind of why I want him. Yeah, right, like, yeah. I see why you want him. Yeah, I yeah. see the sky's blue, too. Yeah. <laughs> so Tarasenko, but also the, this <laughs> this other one might make you cringe because that, that was a, a big cringe when I mentioned Dubois. I heard rumblings that... Uh, Matthew Kachuk wants out of Calgary. Okay, uh, but here's the thing, though. The big difference between guys that you have to trade for is that they will cost. Okay, they will yeah. cost a Romanov. Yeah. They could cost. I mean, maybe a again, maybe a Kakanyemi. Yeah. Do you do a one-off with Kakanyemi and Kachuk? Maybe. I mean, there's talk about maybe the Habs should have drafted the other Kachuk over Kakanyemi, oh, which yeah. I, I, if the Habs gave Kakanyemi a bloody chance to to earn his spot in the top six, then I would disagree with. I would be I I don't care about sense fans and or all the trash talk of oh they should have drafted Kakanyemi over Kachuk or Kachuk over Kakanyemi mm-hmm. and also Kakanyemi is like what eight or nine more playoff goals than Matthew Kachuk anyway or Brady Kachuk and Matthew yeah. Kachuk so yeah look all this to say is um yeah so just keep in mind guys on the trade market will cost but in terms of free agents they won't cost as much or maybe like you said with Alex Kalorn who I have to keep reminding myself I got to face him in practice a couple of times and yes I stopped him a couple of times but he also made me look really stupid most of the time um but uh yeah just um look that that would also be especially if you lose guys to expansion that could be an option but also who what's to say that Blake Coleman or Alex Kalorn or uh or Barkley Goudreau don't get picked up by Seattle themselves and help Tampa so a lot of teams like could get out of bad contracts with this, like the same way Pittsburgh got out of the flurry contract, but I think they might regret that now. But anyway, um, so Ovechkin is a guy that is my pipe dream, but in terms of who I think will end up on the Montreal Canadiens, very simple. Um, like you said, David Savard, maybe, maybe um, Jason Demers as a cheap third-pairing guy. Also, maybe, maybe if the Habs by some... Fluke decide to get rid of, um, or yeah, actually, not, maybe not even that much of a fluke because Alec Martinez. What if they go with Alec Martinez as a second yeah. pairing guy? Yeah, what if they, because he... if they lose Sherratt and they put, Mar- let's say, a pairing of Alec Martinez and Weber, Romanov, and like, let's say, a Jason Demers or David Savard on the third pairing, that could be a good blue line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was also thinking Martinez, um, but. I don't know Vegas's cap situation. That's why I, I said, oh, yeah, Kalorn or Savard, because so much had been made about Tampa's cap thing, the, the $18 million. Um, and, and, look, that discussion of whether, oh, that's ethical or not, nope, not for the show, but that does have to be addressed heading into the offseason for this upcoming season. It doesn't apply for the regular season. So there you go. Yeah, so um, that's all we pretty much have here. There is actually one more comment here I want to bring out. Just going back to the cock and yemi thing again. Center Heist, thank you for your uh, for engagement. Everyone else in the comment section, Sarah A, Randy N, and uh, and Roger Delaney, and everyone else in the mm-hmm. comment section, thank you so much for your participation. But yeah. um, uh, what's it called? Uh, oh, also, uh, well, yeah, we'll talk about this for a sec though. Like with cock and yemi though, like that. Here's the thing. The point I want to make about cock and yemi is. Um, 
Remember Alex Galchenyuk? Uh, like so many, like you can't help but make comparisons with between Kakanyemi and Galchenyuk. I think, yeah, I think Kakanyemi is a more is a much better hockey player without the puck than Galchenyuk, mm-hmm. but Galchenyuk Absolutely. has more raw skill than Kakanyemi. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think that smarts without the puck takes you a bit longer in the NHL than raw skill without smarts without the puck, especially from a center ice position. Um, but what's it called? Um, so, so here's the thing though, with Kakanyemi, it's like, if you're going to ruin him, trade him before you ruin him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I hate to talk about that. I hate to say that, but if they're going to keep favoring Den- if they sign to and keep favoring to Suzuki and Evans, and maybe even Paling or whatever veteran they decide to bring in at the deadline and, and for the regular season and all that, like if they're going to ruin Kakanyemi, trade him before you ruin him. Yeah. Because if they keep Dano and Kotkaniemi, I don't trust them to not ruin Kotkaniemi. So, anyway, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. And it's, also another good point by Center Heist, by the way, Alex Kalorn, the he just broke his leg and has a metal rod in it right now, so that oh, might yeah. not be a great idea. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna take on Alex Kalorn, it would have to be like I said, a salary dump, and you're almost like almost like you're gonna send a um, almost like Tampa will have to send a first round pick or something with Kalorn. Oh, just let yeah. me look up his contract real quick. Real quick, right here. I think his uh, his contract four point four. Yeah, he has a no trade clause for another two years or one okay. year. One year. Okay. Um, and he's at so four point four five. Yeah, so it wouldn't be so bad contract wise of his leg. I, I fully hope that it heals because um, he could still play some very good hockey on the right team. Um, and and he'd only be a middle six option, not top line and and you know kind of be a i guess maybe a physical presence slash mentor for caulfield but then we already have anderson for that and to foley's yeah. more of a sniper that'll help it eh, i don't envy mark bergevin this offseason yeah so anyway guys but that's all we have here on this uh langer at the mike montreal Canadiens postseason wrap-up show talking about the great stanley cup final run that was even though it came up short a little preview of the offseason as well with the expansion draft set i think for july 20th if i'm not mistaken something like that it's we'll coming up, up soon quick. yeah um but yeah just let me look that up so i want to get that right because that's kind of important uh, July, July 21st. Yeah. So July 21st is the date of the expansion draft, but, uh, yeah, as usual guys, thank you so much for tuning. If you enjoy our commentary, if you enjoy our, our awesome guests like Sheldon Weisberg or AKA Stanley Tucci and also Paolo D'Souza, AKA Max Pacioretty and also Zach Penser, Matt Cowan, who unfortunately could not make it today. Busy Friday, but also busy Friday today. This is like literally the only window I had to do this. But uh, yeah, as usual, if you enjoy our, our commentary, give us a big thumbs up. Subscribe to my channel here on Langer at the Mic, youtube.com slash Langer at the Mic. And thank you as usual so much for tuning in and listening. I look forward to seeing you again next time.